Chapter Seventeen of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Seventeen. Alone at last, and the ghastly fear, the terrible dread, overwhelmed Hyacinth. The paper dropped from her hands, and she fell with a low, shuddering cry on her knees. The news was too cruel, too dreadful too horrible she moaned rather than cried oh merciful heaven let me die let me die the fear that was upon her was far more trying than any physical anguish who could have recognised her crouching there with fever in her brain with anguish in her heart as the beautiful brilliant girl who quitted the same room a few hours since radiant with love and hope then she took up the paper and with wild distended eyes read this paragraph shocking murder at laybridge the whole of this district has been thrown into the greatest consternation by the discovery of a terrible murder that has been committed in the pleasant meadows near the railway station on thursday morning as john dean a labourer was going to his work his attention was attracted by something lying under the hedge in the field known as lime meadow he found on inspection that it was the body of a woman who had been most cruelly murdered he hastened to the police station and gave information to inspector henderson the inspector went at once to the spot with two of his men the woman had been dead it was supposed over two hours there were signs of a violent struggle and she had evidently tried hard to defend herself at first no clue could be discovered as to her identity or that of her murderer but it was seen that she held a handkerchief tightly clinched in her hands with some difficulty it was taken away and the name claude lennox was found upon it further search brought to light a folded paper on which the address of mr lennox was written in full the woman's clothes were marked anna barrett she was quite a stranger to the neighbourhood and no one remembers to have seen her before the police immediately began to make inquiries the result of which was the apprehension of claude lennox on the charge of wilful murder he has been brought before the magistrates at ashton and the evidence given is very strong against him mr lennox is the nephew of colonel lennox of ashton park and it appears that much to the colonel's anger and annoyance the young gentleman was absent all wednesday night a porter at laybridge station swears to having seen mr lennox in company with some woman whose features he did not see quite early on thursday morning he noticed him particularly because Mr. Lennox seemed anxious that his companion should escape all observation. He saw them walking toward the meadow, but not having seen the woman's face, could not identify her. Thomas Hannan, a signalman, also swore to the same facts. Robert Cliff, a day labourer, deposed that as he was going to work early on Thursday morning, he saw the accused walking alone and hurriedly toward the park. He thought the gentleman looked agitated. The prisoner admitted at once that the handkerchief and folded paper containing the address were his but refused to explain how they came into the possession of the deceased he swore that he was not guilty of the murder and that the woman was a stranger to him when asked to state where he had been during the night he declined when asked to prove an alibi if he could bring any witnesses to prove where he had been he replied abruptly that it was impossible he could not do it the magistrates have committed him for trial at the lodestone assizes and unless he can give some satisfactory information as to where he passed the night of wednesday the weight of circumstantial evidence will tell strongly against him the refusal of mr lennox 
to make an exculpatory statement has created a great sensation in the neighbourhood the assizes commences on the twenty third of july the paper fell from hyacinth's trembling hands and a terrible moan came from her lips clear as the daylight the incidents of that morning rose before her in their full horror whatever happened cost what it would she must go she must clear claude no one in the wide world knew that he was innocent no one could clear him but herself dear heaven how plainly the whole scene rose before her the dewy meadows lying so still and calm in the half-light the woman's pale face and bruised hand how well she remembered wrapping claude's handkerchief round it how kind and compassionate claude had been to her he will kill me some day the woman had said speaking of her husband hyacinth could hear the voice even now that was nearly a month ago and kind generous reckless claude had been lying in prison ever since on a charge of wilful murder he would not incriminate her he might have rebutted the whole charge by telling the story of that night and calling her as a witness but he would not do so she had not thought there was such generosity such chivalry in him it was a noble thing of him to refuse to speak but he must not lose his life for her the more she weighed the evidence the more startled she was to find how strongly circumstances were against claude she must clear him if he would not speak she must what would it cost her ah heaven more than her life her love if she went into court to tell the truth she could never hope to see adrian again he who had valued purity delicacy refinement and truth so highly what would he say when he found that she had not only carried on a clandestine correspondence deceived those with whom she lived and stolen out to meet her lover but had eloped with him had left home and travelled as far as laybridge with him and walked through the fields with him and then repenting had gone back what would he say when he knew all she remembered how sternly he had spoken of lady wallace what would he say of her she was more unfortunate more disgraced her name henceforward would be associated with a murder case she a vaughan one of the race as lady vaughan had told her that morning that had never experienced the shadow of disgrace or shame she who had been as they believed so carefully kept from the world so shielded from all its snares she to bow those grey heads with sorrow and slay her love with unmerited shame she was as one fastened to a stake turn which way she would her torture increased could she take advantage of claude's honourable silence and saving herself like a coward let him die ah no she could not loyal even unto death was the motto of her race she could not do that if she did though her secret would be safe her miserable weakness never be known she would hate herself loathe her life so shamefully laden with secrecy and sin the temptation to take advantage of claude's chivalrous silence lasted only a few moments she would not have purchased life and love at such a price she must save him what would it cost her her love ah yes her love she would never see adrian again he would never speak to one so disgraced for she did not hide from herself the extent of that disgrace she who had been reared as a lily in the seclusion of home would become for a few days at least the subject of scandal the name of hyacinth fawn would be lightly spoken by light lips men would sneer at her women turn away when her name was mentioned oh how bitterly i am punished she cried what have i done that i must suffer so she knew she must go into court when claude was tried 
and tell her shameful story before the hard-headed men of the world she knew that her name and what she had to tell would be commented upon by every newspaper in england after that there could be no returning home no love no marriage no safe rest in a haven of peace it would be all at an end she might lie down and die afterward the world would all be closed to her only a few hours ago she had lain on that little white bed scarcely able to bear the weight of her own happiness how long was it since adrian had asked her to be his wife the misery the pain the anguish of a hundred years seemed to have passed over her head since then oh if i had but refused to go when claude asked me she cried in a voice of anguish if i had only been true to what i knew was right i am bitterly punished not more bitterly than he was the thought seemed to strike her suddenly he had been in prison for over three weeks he had been charged with the most terrible crime he whose only fault was that of loving her too well she must save him then with a sudden thrill of fear she remembered how near the assizes were they were to be held on the twenty-third and this was the twentieth she would have only just time to reach lodestone she must say good-bye to those who loved her and had watched over her she must leave all her love her hope her happiness behind and go forth to save him who was willing to give even his life to save her she must go she must find out how she could reach england the great brooding anguish of despair seemed to have fallen over her her heart ached until it could ache no more she wept until she seemed to have no more tears she appeared to grow insensible to the pain that was wearing her young life away i must go to-morrow night she said to herself i shall see adrian just once again and then i must bid him farewell for ever oh my love my love she flung herself upon the floor and wept until the morning dawned and the summer sun peeped into the room End of chapter seventeen